I don't connect digitally. My, my creative brain does not work digitally in any other circumstance than when I'm actually typing and writing. Taylor Stevens with the Taylor Stevens Show and good friend Steve Campbell, where we kick writing in the butt one word at a time. So I, I love this. I love this new tagline, kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. Last week, we talked about taking a break, being back at work writing now. You've been back at work writing for a few weeks. Are, are you still as invigorated as you were when you first got back to your desk or is it starting to fade? No, it's still going good. Knock on wood. I'd, I'd really like to keep this going. <laughs> I need it. I need it real bad. <laughs> For as long as humanly possible. Yes. All right. We've got an interesting show today, and let's get right to today's topic. All right. We're doing Q&A today. We've, we've had some questions that, that, that you guys have emailed into Taylor, and we're just going to work our way through them. But there's one that I am particularly interested in, and we're going to, that's going to be the second question. So the first one, we're working our way up. They're, they're all good questions, but the second one I, I really uh, could use some help with right now. But here's the first one. Do you, Taylor, use any writing or character building or outlining computer software to help you first define your novels and then keep track of the characters that you create. I, I guess essentially what, what this listener is asking is whether or not you use any tools to help you in the writing process, any digital tools. Okay. Well, first thing to keep in mind is I haven't always done it the same way in every single book that I've ever written. But these days, I don't use anything digital. Doesn't mean that I might not benefit from something, but I just, I don't connect digitally. My, my creative brain does not work digitally in any other circumstance than when I'm actually typing and writing. But I do use sort of self-built tools in the sense that I, I've developed over time from reading how to write books, how to story build books, sort of a questionnaire um, that I've put together that forces me to really think through how the characters are connected to each other, what the essence of the characters are, and how everything comes back to the inciting incident. And, but what that really does is just gets me started. I find that most of my character development comes through on the page. But by at least having a sense of who the characters are before I start, it'll save me time in having to go back and go, oh, that didn't make sense, and this didn't make sense, and that's out of character for that person. Now, one of the things that I think makes this show fun, it makes it fun for me, and I hope it makes it fun for listeners as well, is that you and I come from this uh, from two completely different uh, directions. You are the New York Times bestselling author who's had tremendous success a as a writer. I am a newbie writer who's trying to figure out my own path and, and develop some, some skills as, as I try and write books that are saleable. So you have developed this questionnaire list 
over time to help you. I read books about what you should do, and occasionally I'll see something like, here's, a, here's the 90-question character checklist that I use for each character in my book. And I see that, and I'm like, oh, my God. I mean, certainly you would know everything there is to know about your character, but I, I, that would be exhausting to me. It, it, you're not talking about that, are you? No, I'm not. I'm talking sort of about big picture big picture thinking, the overall arc. I, I saw once um, somebody posted in one of the uh, screenwriters that I follow on Twitter uh, posted a quote from an author or a screenwriter once who said something to the effect of, to really know a character, you have to know what he fears most. Hmm. And I think that sort of drives the heart of the matter of figuring out your character. But when, what I'm talking about as far as like my, my questionnaire development is more along the lines of understanding what got the character to who they are today. And I'm not talking about, oh, they were born and raised in, you know, mm-hmm. so-and-so Nebraska or whatever. It's just what drives them. And a lot of my, my questionnaire isn't even as much about the characters as it is about what's driving the story, why, what are the highlights, what are the high points and the low points, like what's, what's going to make readers interested in this, what, what are we actually writing about here, because I think it's, that's one thing that, especially when you're first starting out, and I know you did this, I think, you know, when we started talking way, way, way back when we were talking about one of your stories, and I was like, well, what are you really writing about here, and you're like, oh, now I see what you're talking about, like, I thought I was writing about this, but really I'm writing about this. And so what the the questionnaire helps me to do is focus in on what this story really is so that it doesn't, even if it's, especially when it's a really complex story with lots of moving parts, it it fits all those parts together. How did you develop this questionnaire? Is it something that you just sat down and came up with between like books three and four? And I'm just using that as an example, or has it evolved? It's evolved, and it's it's like there have been a few books that I've read that I felt um, they kind of one one might have some really good aspects on what makes a story fantastic, and they're talking about the characters or the conflict, and so I might have drawn some some of their points and put them into questionnaire format from that aspect, and then somebody else's book might have said, well. And I, I specifically, we've, we've talked about it before, the inciting incident whole, whole aspect of things that really clicked in my brain from that particular book. So that went into my questionnaire of what is the one event, one unifying event that, that guides everything in this story. And that is the story's, the story's founding principle. It's arc. That's, that's where it goes. That's, that's the driving force of the story. Um, so it's things like that that I'm, I'm having to figure out. And it's one thing when you have a series character like Vanessa Michael Monroe and you know the character pretty well already and, you know, you're like, okay, well, I'm going to write a story about a, a cult, <laughs> for example, <laughs> which I did with The Innocent because I used my own background as a way to, to kind of take readers' hands and say, here, let me show you the world that I w- was born and raised in. Um, and so in that, in that sense, these questionnaires are not so helpful because I already know the character, I already know what she's, you know, who she is more or less, and I already have this world that's already constructed because it's kind of based on something that happened in real life. 
So not really so necessary. But in more recent situations where I've started looking at stories from scratch, where like I have a concept, I have an idea, I guess a premise, and I, I kind of have an idea of where I want to go with it, but I don't know exactly how or, or how to take this, you know, one line thing and turn it into 100,000 words. And so that's where asking all those questions will really help me to figure out where the weaknesses are and where I need to focus to make it work. Okay, and that's a great stepping off point to the next question, the question that I'm, I'm super excited about, but that, that was actually very interesting. Um, but this next question, you mentioned the idea of sort of coming up with the one line that you're going to expand into a 100,000-word uh, book. And, and, of course, there's story building and character development. All of that goes into that, but there's also research. So this question is it's a, it's a two-parter. How do you not get sucked into research hell? And I love this. It's probably going to be the title for this episode. How do you stop Googling and start writing? <laughs> That's such a good question. <laughs> See, I don't know what research hell is because I love research. So for me, it's more a question of, you know, when do you stop Googling? Um, because for me, there is no such thing as research. It's just learning. And... Um, my my research has kind of changed over the years because some stuff I just already know a lot about. And I didn't used to research that much about it. But I found that um, readers can sometimes be extremely finicky over the things that they know or that they think they know. And so if you get it even slightly wrong from what they think they know, they're going to come at you for it. Not everybody does that, but some do, and they can be very, very vocal. And um, the first time that happened to me is a huge shock. So, you know, I don't want to get my face smacked again and have tomatoes thrown at me. So now when I'm writing at writing something, anything, um, Anytime I'll, I'll state something, I'll just go look it up. Um, and I can give you an example from today. You know, I, I have a character that I'm trying to develop, and he has dogs. And I was like, well, what kind of dogs would someone have in that area? And I kind of had an idea in my head of what kind of dog, but I'm not going to just throw that out there because maybe it's the wrong kind of breed for what he does. And somebody who actually does what he does might go like, ah, this person doesn't know what they're talking about. So I start Googling and I'm like, all right, you know, what are common dogs in that area? You know, I'll start Googling the terms that I'm already a little bit familiar with and I'll go read about these dogs. And I'm looking temperament, you know, what, what are they, they, they bred for and all of that. And it might show up as one line in the book, but all I'm doing is just making sure that I'm not saying something completely stupid, that it actually that one line is actually appropriate for the book. Now, and, uh, let me ask you a question. Um, yeah. and, and this is something that we've talked about uh, in, in, in a different context before. Um, but how do you know when you're done researching a topic? How well, do you know when you have enough information to not have the tomatoes thrown at you? It's, it's to me, there's, there's two different, you're looking at two different things. One is, the overall big picture. Like if you were writing about a specific topic, and let's say um, it's, it could be a fairly benign topic that nobody really cares about, in which case 
The research is just so that you sort of have an overview of it. But if you're writing um, a topic that is a hot button issue, maybe you're talking about abortion, maybe you're talking about immigration, maybe you're talking about politics or all of that, then what I do in a situation like that is I go read um, blogs and, and forums and watch people argue with each other. Hmm. Because as I read the arguments back and forth, I start to learn what other people's buttons are and what people are arguing about and what upsets them and makes them angry. And as you learn what makes people angry, then you can guide your own writing to either explain, touch upon, dodge, or whatever the hot button issues. And in my own case, I'm not really writing about super emotional stuff in the sense of, you know, people care so much that they're going to go go on a huge rant about it online. But there are probably no, there, there's no other topic that will cause a fight than, than guns. Gun aficionados are, are just devoted, loyal, just they, they know their stuff even when they're wrong. They know it. And so in that case, I go and read about, if I'm thinking of a particular weapon, I'll go and read forums, gun forums, of what, what they're all arguing about. And then I'll make sure to never discuss the thing that they're arguing about. Because <laughs> it doesn't matter if I'm wrong or right. Someone's going to think I'm wrong. So why, why put that in there? I'll just, I, I work around it. So for me, my research is done when I feel that I know enough about the subject to avoid putting something super uh, controversial, even if it's about, you know, the size of a, of a round of ammunition into that book. Um, that's when I know that I'm done. Okay. Now, a follow-up question, and, and this is, I'm, I'm paraphrasing another question that came in, um, but it, it's also research-related, so we're going to stay on, on this topic. Uh, you wrote a book, uh, uh, The Catch, that had a boat captain in it as a as a big part of the of, of the story, and there's a lot of boat captainy type things in there. How do you f- find an expert like that? How do you how do you approach them and, and and get them to give you the time of day? Well, in that particular case, that expert, the wonderful Max Hardberger, who I like to say is the world's baddest badass. Um, <laughs> That was a little bit of a unique situation as um, I had had been a long time in coming in that I had uh, I had been thinking about doing a story. I usually start thinking about the next book, like at least a book ahead. As I'm starting working through one process, I start thinking about the next process because it takes me a long time to develop an idea into a story. I'm not one of those people that has so many ideas I don't know what to do with them. And so right around that time, I saw an advertisement in a magazine or a newspaper or somewhere, just randomly saw an advertisement for a book called Seized, which was a memoir of a ship captain um, who was the world's, at the time, only, only maritime repossession specialist. And it was his memoir of all these times that he'd basically stolen ships oh, back. wonderful. Ports and whatever. <laughs> it was like reading fiction, you uh-huh. know, like that high adventure. And I read it and I thought, this guy is so amazing. I have to write him just to say how awesome he is. So I did. And um, I introduced myself and, you know, 
that developed into an email friendship, which developed into real life interaction, which developed into two days or three days of um, him just dumping information into me and me just trying to take notes as fast as I could. And, and then went into me writing him with more questions. And the most ironic or funniest or I don't know thing about it is that the catch takes place in Somalia. And I, um, you know, having never been there, never going to be there, was rather lacking in some on the ground information. And Max just happened to be in Somalia as I was <laughs> wrapping up. Are you kidding? Really? No, I'm dead serious. <laughs> So it was really, um, that was sort of a, um, a one-off. But at the same time, that's always just been the way that I do things, is if I know I need help, I've, I know there's somebody out there who can help me, I'll just go and ask them. I'll just say, hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. That's how I found the, the Somali interpreter for making sure all the Somali was right in the catch. Did the same thing, just started Googling for, you know, Somali to English translators. And I found this guy and I wrote him and I said, look, you know, can I get your help? I said, I, I can't pay you for it, but I'll definitely put you in the credits. And he was awesome. He's like, yeah, sure. I found that for the most part, people are wonderful and they want to help. And, um, and they like being involved in stuff. Uh, so always, I, I just ask. And the worst thing that can happen is they say no. And then you're no worse off than if you never asked in the first place. Yeah, I, th I think that's completely right. And I, I've been asked before, because I do a number of, of different podcasts with authors, and uh, people will say, how did you get Taylor Stevens to be on your show? Or how did you get uh, this person or that person or the other person to be on your show? And my response is always, I asked. Yeah. And uh, that's, most people really do want to help. Yeah, and, and like I'm up in that situation right now with one of my kids um, who has chosen as their cannot be dissuaded from future career <laughs> a very difficult and rather obscure career that is not something that you necessarily talk to a career counselor and say, this is what I want to do, and then they can guide you into it. And so I, I said, look, you know, it's rather pointless to choose courses and all these things for college, you know, heading in prepping to get to college when you don't even know what people in this industry are looking for. Maybe you don't even need a college degree or maybe you do. We don't know. We don't know what kind of college degree they're looking for. And so it's it's rather um, it's you're wasting your time to set out on a journey with an end destination in mind and no idea how to get there and then start plotting your, your, your map. I said, you need to find people out there that do what you want to do and that you admire what they do and you need to write them. I said, I'll help you write it. You know, if you, if you put your words down, I'll help you write it because, you know, they're going to be all embarrassed and uh, they're not going to listen to me or whatever. I said, they're, you're exactly, adults want to help young people, <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. You're in a much better position to get help than, you know, some 30 or 40-year-old who wrote this person. So I said, you need to, to go find these people and, and tell them why you admire their work and ask them if they could give you some advice on the path that they took to get to where they are. I still haven't convinced them to do it. It's it's they're struggling with it because it's it's humiliating to go contact a stranger. But um, that asking, 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 it it is, it's 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 like magic. 
And I think that's a, a great way to wrap up today's show, where we have once again been kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. <laughs> you like the way we're incorporating that new tagline into the beginning and the end of the show? We may throw it into the middle next time. <laughs> <laughs> It'll roll off our tongues a little easier as we go along. All right, Taylor, any parting thoughts for our listeners today? Just please come back and hear me again, or please, uh, you know, go give me a review. I, I get so many awesome emails from fans and readers and listeners telling me how much they appreciate my books or my emails or my audio, the, the podcast. And I just want to say thank you, but please, can you tell the world too? The world <laughs> needs to hear it <laughs> just more than I do. I mean, I need to hear it too, but yes, please tell the world. Okay. And if you're not on Taylor's email list, go to taylorstevensbooks.com. Click on the connect with me button and get on that list because uh, you'll, you'll thank me uh, once you do it. We will be back again with another fantastic episode. Thanks, Taylor. <laughs> See you guys next week. <laughs>